Welcome to Mere Utterance, the podcast where we explore small stories and the big impact they have on our lives. This week, we have the pleasure of sitting down with our dear friend, Tash. Throughout this episode, she shares her journey to independence and self-acceptance and what this looks like as someone living with a disability. Tash is already such a true inspiration to Tara and myself. Her strength and wisdom really shine through in this episode, and we were left feeling both empowered and encouraged. We hope you're able to take just as much from it as we did. Tash, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's um, lovely to have you here on the thank podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, so you're our neighbor and we've known you for a little while, but, um, our first question is always, how would you introduce yourself at this point in time? Okay. So how would I introduce myself? Thanks for putting me on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) So I would introduce myself as someone who has strived to be a bit more independent and as someone who has lived in, like, I used to live in like the Hills area of Sydney and now moved to like the inner west a bit more of a city vibe so just you know challenging those things you know because <laughs> you know like just challenging you know living in like a different environment mm. and someone who just strives to keep pushing their foot forward and doing their best and you know keeping up with society and yeah yeah keeping <laughs> it keeping it real I love that too because like isn't that what we all should be doing too? Like, just like be the most authentic you yeah, and like yes. keep doing the things and, yes. um, um, and yeah, being the most authentic that you can and keeping it real. I used to live in, I used to have like a lot of people that told me that you can't be yourself or you can't show who you truly are. And you know, screw it. I'm <laughs> yes, <laughs> honestly, screw it. I'm autistic. I struggle a lot with having autism and intellectual and other disabilities. Um, but I say screw it and just be yourself. And if you can't mask it, then you can't mask it. Like I love that. that. I love that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're all like for all like for all of you who are listening, we're all here like hands up in the air, being like yes, like viva la revolution. <laughs> Um, so you, you have autism. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, um, I guess what that's been like, how you went about getting diagnosed? Yeah, Yeah, I can. So basically when I was younger, my parents thought I'd never walk and talk. Um, but apparently I proved society wrong and (laughs) I get around, I walk, I speak. I'm not afraid to use my voice when I need to. Um, it was hard getting, so I got the intellectual disability when I was a lot younger in primary school. and But when it came to getting diagnosed with autism, I'm 31 now and wasn't diagnosed until I was 29, so about mm. three-ish years ago. And that was a bit more of a harder diagnosis because they have to analyse and do lots of different assessments and questions. And as I was saying to the girls before, before we like started airing, <laughs> one of the questions they would like do is, so they put like a thing of magazines on the table and they put a thing of like fidget toys on the table and of course they want to see are you going to go for the spinning top or are you going to be the grown-up woman and sit there and read the woman two magazine and of course me being me thought I'm going to have to mask the shit out of this even though I wasn't meant to be masking because I wasn't meant to be there to get the diagnosis I've got the magazine out and I just like 
eloquently, you know, opened up the magazine, <laughs> you know, this flicking through. This is how adult I am. Oh, this is what the Kardashians are doing today. <laughs> you know? Because we can beauty back pulled the spinning tray up because I was like, oh, I didn't want to see... I didn't want her to see this 29-year-old wanting to fidget with a spinning toy <laughs> because I was so overwhelmed with the harsh lighting and the forced eye contact and all the questions, the grilling questions that she was asking. Do they give you harsh lighting when you go in for that? Oh, yeah. There's, you know, the, the, the lights are bright. She's there with her clipboard, acting all professional, taking down her notes and then, you know, piercing eye contact and oh, you just that's... have to, like... You know, go with the flow and pretend that none of it's bothering you when you just want to scream and flap your hands and get out of there. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, it sounds like a really harsh environment. To oh like yeah, get a diagnosis true. that you really need. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. But, you know, uh, so I was, you know, there with the Who magazine when I should have been there with the little fidgety thing, and and off I went. But. Yeah, wow. So you, you obviously got the diagnosis. I got, got the diagnosis <laughs> because there were some cracks in between that I couldn't apparently mask and, oh. you know, yeah. <laughs> okay, so there, there, the diagnosis came about and it was like, okay, so there's the intellectual disability. There's the ANX, which stands for anxiety. There's the uh, ASD, which is autism spectrum disorder. There's the SPD, which is sensory processing disorder. But I'm still walking and thriving and still... You know, putting one foot forward and being like, you know what, stop it. Yeah. I have all these things. Don't let it define me. Keep going. Yep. I, I was in places where people would bully you or where I was locked in a room in a childcare centre for having a disability. And it really taught me to stand up for myself and put one foot forward and just advocate for those that can't advocate for themselves. Mm, I love and that. Yeah. just, you know, there's so many people that nonverbal that can't speak and they don't get a say in how they're treated because they can't use their words and I think that everyone has a say whether they use sign language or whether they use a pen and paper to write everyone has a voice and it should be heard and mm. everyone deserves a chance to thrive in society and to put one foot forward without having people shun them or lock them in a room because they're seen as different totally. we're all equal absolutely I think that's beautifully said. Getting that diagnosis, was that like freeing? It was freeing in one way because I was like, okay, um, now it was freeing in one way because it's like, okay, this is who I am. This is why I flap my hands. This is why I use a fidget toy. This is why I might need headphones or quiet space from people. But in another way, I also felt isolated, like, okay, so not very many people might be going through what I'm going through and how do I explain that to people? But at the same time, I can now start being myself, mm. um, which was hard because my mom, my father died when I was 16. My mom ended up finding a new partner later on in life and he wasn't the nicest man. And I lived under the roof of my mom and him. And when I was diagnosed and even before I was diagnosed with the autism, he knew I had the other disabilities and I wasn't allowed to be myself. Mm. So I had to, in my own home, couldn't express who I was or flap my hands or be myself. So it was hard because there was times like in my own home, I had to completely be a different person unless I was in my own bedroom or bathroom. Mm. So it was difficult, but in other in but in other ways it was easier to understand who I was, but then when I was shut down again, it was hard so it's a yeah. mix of both I guess like when you um you talk about like having to like shut down even in your own home 
before you got the diagnosis, did you know what was going on or was it just sort of like, this is the like, only way I can cope with, like... Yeah, so I knew what was going on to an extent, like, okay, this makes sense of, you know, okay, I'm flapping my hands because when you're on the autism spectrum disorder, some people do that and some people would do it to either because they're very excited or because they're very heightened. Yeah. And I did it for both. Like, oh, I'm really excited, flap my hands. Mm. Really nervous, flap my hands. It's like, you know, um, so it just depends on the individual person, yeah. I guess, and how they're... Yeah, yeah how I, they're I, I guess too, like, this kind of feeds into... I mean, society doesn't really know much about ASD or autism spectrum disorder. We no, don't talk about no, it much. What do you wish people did know no, about? I wish that people it's harder like it's harder to find it in girls because girls seem to mask more or women. Mm. Um so I wish that people could see through those cracks and I wish there could be more acceptance. Like when I was in school it was like, oh okay, maybe if you wore more makeup you'd be less ugly, we would hang out with you. Oh and then you do that. And then they're like, okay, no. You know, like, no, no, you're still not, you still don't meet our standards. Like, I just wish people just were more accepting in general and just went, okay, that person has a disability, but everyone still has ability. And, you know, everybody strives in their own way. Everyone does everything in their own time. And if people could just see that, you know, it might take us a little bit more time to get to where we are, we can still do it and we can still be your friend. Like, like there's nothing wrong with us we're not contagious we're not a disease and i'm sick and tired of people thinking okay you're going to catch something from that person or was it because your parents vaccinated you that's why oh my god that was like a that's 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 a a, rhetoric that's that's actual yeah people think that so when people go how did you get autism i'll go yeah my parents you know they gave me the vaccine shoved it in there because they were so pro of me having autism that's how i got it (laughs) that was the polio vaccine yeah 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 yeah. and i just like and and if that's how people are going to see it, then I'm going to play along with it. Because if you're going to be that stupid <laughs> to think that, then I will give you the stupid answer back and let you think that. Like, you know, yeah. Oh, I love it. Tara's like in stitches <laughs> laughing in the background. Right, the people just assume, they just assume that it's because of the vaccine that that's how you became that way or or they just think stupid things like yeah. like that or... There's people like Trump who go around saying that I'm sorry for any Trump fans out there. It's but not. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. Like go or to get rid of autism, don't forget to put bleach in the baby's bottle, and that's how you get rid of autism. Oh and that's still today God. in today's society. Or just whack your baby's head a few times to knock some sense into them, and the autism disappears. Wow. Like instead of just accepting that that person has a disability and letting them be themselves and letting them thrive it's like oh we have to put them in a corner and we're still like it's like we live still in like you know in the horse and carriage ages still in some aspects and i just think people grow up accept people just love that person for who they are and if they're not your cup of tea move forward don't need to say anything nasty don't need to make a big deal about it just keep walking absolutely and um for those who don't know you tash is the best neighbor ever and has like dropped us off care packages when we're sick and like is forever like giving nice things to people or like going out on you know to the homeless people during christmas and like dropping off christmas presents and bringing over cakes and like the most lovely human being ever and um 
yeah, it's really nice to hear the way that you view, I guess, how society should act, but also the fact that you like exemplify that. And that's as another well. thing that I'll say, like, you know, how you said that I do those things. People assume that, oh, if you're on their spectrum, you don't have empathy for other people. And that annoys me because there might be some people that might lack empathy because they can't seem to grasp it. And there might be some people who have empathy and to put someone in a category and just assume that everyone on the spectrum doesn't have empathy or everyone on the spectrum can't give eye contact or everyone on the spectrum flaps their hands. Not everybody is one in, is in one category. We all, that's why it's called a spectrum for a reason. There's different <laughs> categories and just shoving someone in one category and saying that's the mold that everybody is annoys me. So like to hear that you guys think that I help other people is nice to hear because most people assume or, you know, like she she can't do that because she's got no empathy. She only mm. thinks of herself and not her surroundings. It's so funny. Like I feel like that's like that's a routine thing that everybody does. We tend to categorise things when we don't understand them because yeah. we want to like try and make sense of something. So yeah, it's really um, it's really interesting to hear that. Um, yeah, it's very stereotypical. I would say that people just assume that you have to be this way to be to have this disability or to have this look. And then people assume also, like, it's a look. Like, there is no look for autism. Like, you know, just because someone may rock back and forth and the next person may not rock back and forth, it doesn't mean there has to be a certain look to say that that person fits that mould of the disability that you're just thinking of in your own mm. mindset. Yeah, like, do you have people who say, oh, but you don't look autistic? Yes. I you don't have... seem autistic. So, funny story with that one is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one is hilarious. So, my old jeep... So, my mum was diagnosed my mum's been really was diagnosed with cancer and was really sick and unfortunately passed away i needed to see a gp to get some testing done to have it finalized to get on to get um certain things with ndis and so anyway i go to the doctor and i went to this little um doctor next door to me and he's very old school and you know he's um very into like old school medicine and so forth and I asked him if you could help me. Can you please help me write the application for autism? Thinking he, I've, he's been my neighbour for years. Hopefully he, you know, re- resonates that I've got autism and so forth. Anyway, he goes, oh, but you don't look autistic. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that autism was a look. And I'm like, you're a GP as well. And I was going off. I'm like, you're a GP as well. And then he says, and he goes, you know why you don't look autistic? And I said, why? Please, please, please explain X, Y, Z to me. And he goes, because I saw a toddler the other day with autism and they were throwing a tantrum. I said, one, they were having a meltdown. Two, it's not a tantrum. Three, you're talking about a five-year-old comparing that to a 29-year-old. So I'm 31 now. At the time, I was 29. And I was like, you cannot compare a five-year-old to a 29-year-old. It, you can't do that. And he goes, but, you know, that they were chucking the tantrum. I said, no, they were having a meltdown. And he goes, but I've never seen you do that. So, therefore, to me, you don't look like you've got the autism. And plus, you're too clever for that. I said, so you're implying that all people on the spectrum chuck tantrums instead of meltdowns, if some of them do fall in the meltdown category. Are you saying that everybody on the spectrum is dumb because I'm too clever to have autism? I said, everybody is smart in their own way and in their own time. I was furious. Absolutely. Can yeah. you also, like, I guess for those who don't know, can you, I guess, explain the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown? So like to an me, autistic meltdown and a Yeah, tantrum. to me, everyone would probably describe it differently. A tantrum is a child wanting a lollipop and 
their child going, I'm just going to use a child for an example, a child insisting on having a lollipop and the parent's like, no, you've had too much sugar, that's it. So the child is so persistent about the lollipop, they'll do anything to get it, kick, scream on the floor. Whether someone who is having a meltdown may kick and scream on the floor, but they're kicking and screaming because their environment's changed. Mm -hmm. So they've been told that we are going to um, Macca's with your cousin, but instead they end up going to the doctor or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I'm like their environment, like, you know, the changes they were expecting to go to Macca's at this time, but then the doctor said, oh, we need to see you now and then you can go to Macca's afterwards. So that child is having a meltdown because they can't process that their routine's been out of whack. Mm -hmm. So they may kick and scream on the floor and it may present like it's a tantrum, but it's not. It's that child's trying to regulate their emotions and the fact that their routine has changed. Mm-hmm. Whether someone that is chucking a tantrum, they're chucking a tantrum because they didn't get what they want. Mm-hmm. They didn't get the lollipop and they wanted the lollipop and they were persistent about having the lollipop. So they're going to cause a scene. Hopefully mum and dad will give in and give the lollipop. <laughs> yeah. Whereas a meltdown is a response to Who? something that's happened. I mean, something that's triggered them is a response, whether it's a routine change or whether it's that they're not feeling well and they can't tell you that they're not feeling well or they're sensory overloaded because it's too many harsh lights, a lot of noising, a lot of noise, a lot of stimulation around them. And so that's their way or they've had too many people or that they've been touched on their arm and they didn't want to be touched on their arm. Yeah. yeah, well, clothing issues that are distressing them. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for, like, thanks that's for my, it down. <laughs> that's my way of describing it. Everyone describes it differently, so. Yeah. yeah. And I'm no doctor, but yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy what you were saying before, too, about how the medical profession is still so behind. Very somehow. behind. There are a lot of them that are very behind and they don't have, they lack the empathy and they lack, like, they lack the empathy. They lack the courteous, like being polite, and and they just don't. They just don't get disabilities. And it's whether you're old school or whoever you are, you need to be trained in people that mm. have that 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 have disabilities and how to work with them and how to you know reassure them and you know and make sure that they're okay. And all I was asking was, can you sign an NDIS form, which took six months to sign because it took him a long time. To figure that I had, I was already diagnosed with autism. I had the papers there in front of him. I just needed him to sign it off so we could send everything to NDIS so I could get what I needed from the NDIS. Yeah, so the processes as well. Just Yeah, it was a delayed process because he took forever to sign it because he had to mull it over in his head is what I'm reading accurate when I got diagnosed from a neuropsychologist. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, someone that was a bit more higher up than he was in diagnosing so i guess too like since being diagnosed have like how have you been able to manage or have you been able to manage things better now that you know what it is and yeah like it, i have so some days can be still a struggle um i um living independently sometimes can be hard like to keep on top you know i've got this appointment i've got this to try and keep on managing on top of things Mm. and other days it's a lot easier because you're like oh yeah i know i know that okay if i do too much i'm gonna crash and burn i need to slow it down or if it's too peopley i need to come back home and just recuperate and then try again in like a day or two Mm. so like you know there's a bit of a there's a bit of a balance there also, it was a bit harder living, like, my parents died very young. 
So my mum died when I was 30 and my father died when I was 16. Father had sudden heart, heart issues and just struggled with his health and unfortunately suddenly passed away in the family home. And then my mum, I took time off work and I took a bit of a gap to do home care hospice with her and looked after her. So then moving on my own and trying to adapt to society and figure everything out was hard because most parent, most people, even if they're 30, they can still call their mum, hey, do I separate my lights from my darks? Or, hey, if I put this and this together, will it work in the dinner? Or, you know, or I've stained my clothes. How do I get the white pasta sauce out of my white shirt? You know, you call your parents, they race over, they help you. When you don't have parents, it's like, how can I think outside the box? What can I do that's going to work better for me to make sure, okay, if I stain my clothes, this is what I'm going to do. Or if I have to, you know, do X, Y, Z, how am I going to tackle it without being overwhelmed? Mm. And it's just, you know, piecing things together. But what has really helped is that me and my siblings have a very close bond and we have adapted the approach that we don't have parents. So we have to make sure that we look after each other. And I'm very close with my siblings and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and we always help each other out and we're always one phone call away if we need something and I've got good aunts and uncles and amazing neighbours if I need something who have become like friends. Um, so, yeah, it's just really... There's networks. There's right? network and I it's always think outside of the box. There's always going to be a plan B if you just take a deep breath if plan A didn't work, plan B will come. If you just take a deep breath and you just go, let me think, let me focus, something will something will, will work out. Oh, I love that. That's, that's such great advice. Like, I mean, for people on the spectrum, but for everyone in general, right. I mean, that's like such a There's good... There's always going to be another plan. You just have to take a deep breath and just slowly figure it out and... There's no such thing as failure. The only failure I believe in is if you've given up. If you haven't given up, you haven't failed. Love because it. you still... that Those that give up show they weren't hungry enough for it. Those that keep going and still make mistakes are learning, not failing. Yes. Awesome. I love it. So I guess, like, my last question to you yes. is... I guess what advice would you have? I mean, you've given a lot of good advice, um, like a lot of good advice, but I guess for people who might be listening, who might be on um, the spectrum, who might have a disability, I guess what advice would you give them or what advice do you wish that you had when you were like younger and trying to figure it all out? Um, be yourself. Don't give a flying hoot what other people think of you. If you want to flap your hands in public, you want to wear headphones, do it. If people have something negative to say, obviously they're not the people you need to be around because at the end of the day, they're the ones with the issue, not you. And that's what I say to people. Like, I've had so many people go, oh, but you're different or you're this. And I'm like, well, you're the different one for not being accepting. I'm just the unique one coming to the party. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Um, no worries. And thank you so much for coming over and for sharing a little bit about your story and for... Yeah, giving such good advice. Really appreciate no problem. being here. Thanks. Thank you for having me and thanks for being great neighbours and friends. Oh, you're welcome, likewise. And best wishes to everybody listening. Tash really is a living motivational poster. She is generous and strong and it's voices and stories like hers that are so needed. 
Her journey is an encouragement, not just to those who are neurodivergent or living with a disability, but to all of us. We are all just putting our best foot forward, and sometimes all we need is the reminder to be true to ourselves and to be unapologetically who we are. At Mere Utterance, we want to create a community of storytellers, and so we welcome you to visit our website, check out our blog, leave a comment, or send us a message. We would love to hear your thoughts on this conversation, and would love even more to hear some of your story. Thank you again for joining us, and remember, everyone has a story, you just need to ask the right questions.